Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. The, uh, at the beginning of our service tonight, I was standing and as we were doing uh, prayers, uh, beginning prayers outside of the doors, um, I just had a distinct remembrance, uh, so strong that it felt like reality itself, of the presence of our Wednesday night congregation uh, that's so common uh, during Lent and begins to grow normally as we draw nearer and nearer to Holy Week. And so uh, I just want to say that. I, I don't want to be spooky, uh, but uh, I felt you here with me, and it, it just made me be able to pray uh, more poignantly uh, and pointedly for you. Well, we heard another reading from Genesis about our father Abraham, how he goes from Abram to Abraham. I kind of think of him, Abram, as uh, one of the pioneers of social distancing. Uh, God said, you know, leave your father's city, Ur. Uh, and cities weren't common back then. There were some here and there. Uh, and in between the cities was mostly not a lot of anything. But leave and go where I'll show you. Um, and pretty much what we get is, is not Abraham traveling with a crowd, but Abraham traveling with his wife, Sarah, and, and going off uh, in, in what must have seemed one of the oddest things anyone could do, uh, much less having this same God who says to him things like we hear tonight, that I will make you the father of many nations. I mean, gee whiz, when you're by yourself, you know, you're glad to be the father of three or four uh, just to keep you company. And instead, he's told you'll be the father of many nations. And in fact, in the reading we have tonight, God uh, makes covenant with him and gives changes his name from Abram to Abraham, that is the father of many nations. So first off, we have to understand uh, we think of Abraham as the father of our faith, that things begin with him uh, in the calling on God uh, and in the promises being made that will, in fact, be fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah and the bringing in of all the nations, the Gentiles, into God's household. But if we do well in our own time of loneliness to remember that this thing started off pretty lonely. Uh, two people uh, in, in a self-imposed exile, wandering, going to somewhere they've never seen before. And of course, in their time, um, the only portion of land that Abraham owns in the Holy Land, if I recall, is the portion he bought for his burial. He didn't own anything. It belongs to somebody else but he bought a little portion of ground uh, where he could be uh, buried. And of course, there he was laid to rest. And there's others that are there, uh, but it's not until the coming of uh, Joshua with the people of Israel that they actually begin to claim that land for their own, and even that that portion begins uh, to be fulfilled in him. But Abraham, the father of our faith, he's the first one whose uh, image and example we have to follow as we're making this journey uh, towards Christ in Jerusalem. Um, and so that journey begins with a kind of loneliness, but it is a loneliness marked by faithfulness. He's not alone because it's the best he can do. 
He's not alone because he had a bright idea. He's not alone because he was inspired by real estate speculation in Israel. He's alone because God told him to. You and I are alone because we've been told to be. You know, when we sit in our houses and keep our distance and do these things we've been told to do, we do it because we were told to. When we are not at church, you do it because you were told to. You were asked this and given this discipline and obedience by our bishop. Um, and this is a great... You do not understand... It's so easy for us to under, uh, underestimate the great offering and sacrifice and how pleasing it is to God that we do what we do in obedience. That Christ lived in obedience and he bids us to do the same. So it's a, it's a joyful thing. Um, we don't even know this now. There's a bitterness in this in, in practical ways. But I tell you, there is and ought to be a joy in this. I mean, for goodness sakes, most years in Great Lent, you give up some stuff, like food, you try to fast, some of you will get it well, some of you get it badly, you kind of work with it, go to confession a few times and try to get yourself ready for Holy Week. But no one ever really asks you to do anything hard, you know, just not eating some meat for a while, not drinking, it's not hard, it's just annoying, you know. This is beginning to get hard. And I felt it was hard last week. It's been harder this week. And we've been warned by the highest authorities of our land that we are headed into at least two very bitter weeks that, mark, uh, that will be marked by uh, many thousands of deaths across the land. We have to remember that the season of Holy Lent normally is a time set aside for praying for the departed. And uh, the number of those uh, grows for us uh, and grows across the land as we uh, remember them, even though we don't have all of their names. But it, we are here for them. We, God has placed us here and now for them. We pray for them. Uh, we serve the liturgy for them. We're obviously not doing this because it makes a great TV show. We're obviously not doing this because it's going to be watched by thousands. We do this because when we enter into uh, the altar and offer the, the bloodless sacrifice, however many millions of angels, billions of angels there may be, they watch us. They see it. This, the crowd of, of all of heaven joins with us and we offer and plead before the Father in the name of the Son through the Holy Spirit with a voice of lamentation hear us lift the plague from us uh, bring us back together and give us your joy protect the innocent the aged, the infirm protect those who care for them so innocent Protect people who actually get themselves in danger by stacking groceries in a grocery store. Or people manning uh, gas stations for us and other sorts of things who could be home cooling their heels, but for minimum wage have essential jobs. You can tell how unessential your job is by how well you're paid. 
uh, in America. I sometimes think it's a strange upside down way we live. But we follow Abraham, who in faith, we're told, not seeing the promise, believed in the promise. We have a promise of God. And his promise is he is with us and that all of this obedience that we offer to him is pleasing in his sight and that he will deliver us and bring us again uh, into his holy temple. So, uh, give thanks to God. Glorify his name. I keep saying this. I say this on my little Facebook chats and stuff. Tell the people, don't grumble. I did a long thing on don't grumble the other night. And two or three comments in, someone posted a very, very accurate grumble, but a major complaint. I'm thinking, what did I just say? What did I just say? And he was saying, well, but what about all those who caused this? I'm thinking, good grief. Do you believe in God? Or do you need somebody else to blame? We're Christians. We believe in God. We believe in His providence. And we bless even the bad things that are happening to us. So rejoice. Offer God a song of rejoicing. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.